0: welcome to the trinity western chapel podcast as a vibrant part of life at twu chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with god's story of redemption in jesus christ through his word prayer and worship we're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter god's heart for you and the world Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Good morning, Trinity Western. My name is Vanya Levins. I'm the lead pastor of Marine View Christian Community Church, and I'm honored to be able to participate with you in your journey through the book of James. This book is quite unique in character. Though one of the smaller books in the Bible, it conveys its message uh, with quite an impact. A letter written to scattered churches going through tough times, the book of James highlights in a variety of ways that being adopted into the family of Jesus, becoming a Christian is much more than accepting a certain set of beliefs. It's a life altering decision that affects the whole of how one lives. Followers of Jesus behave differently in every aspect of their lives. They not only speak differently, they use and share their finances and and possessions differently. Repeatedly through the book of James, believers are challenged in various ways, not to only listen to the word of God, but to do what it says. On the one hand, this is exciting. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, you've agreed and said yes to a life of continual transformation that will impact everything on the other hand it can also be daunting this way of living is often very countercultural, deeply challenging and often not easy it will frequently require strength and will of character that is beyond our ability to muster up or produce in our own strength our only hope In walking in this way is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're completely dependent on Jesus. Without his help, we're lost. Let's pray and ask for God's help as we turn our attention to our text for today, asking that God would open our eyes and help us to see wonderful things in his word that we might be changed. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of your word inspired by your holy spirit we ask that as we study this passage in the book of james our hearts would be good and soft ground for your word open our eyes that we might see you and in so do we become more like you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit we pray amen our passage from chapter 5 verses 13 to 18 reads Now, this letter of James was written with the intention that it would be circulated among the believers that were scattered in the various places and at the beginning of chapter 5 the passage just prior to what you heard read there have been strong judgments against those who have been amassing wealth by oppression who've not been paying workers fairly this is followed by an exhortation to believers to be patient in suffering and to persevere they are reminded through the story of Job But God is one who heals and who restores. Now, Job was a person who didn't have one calamity fall on him, but several. In a short period of time, he lost his children, he lost his wealth, and he lost his health. And yet, Job was a faithful servant of God. And while being a servant of God didn't mean that Job was spared suffering, it did mean that Job's suffering had an end point. At some point, God said enough is enough and moved tangibly in Job's life to heal, to restore, and to bless him. And so this reference to Job is a signal to us as readers of this letter uh, that uh, its original recipients were going through some pretty tough times. And I think as this book draws to a close, it's a fair question to ask, what words of hope does James have for these believers who are having a really tough time? Well, James continues, as he previously has, with our exhortations for believers to treat their faith as real, to live it out in practical ways. But an interesting shift happens. Here at the close of the letter, the focus is not solely on what the believers are called to do in response to what Christ has done. But James begins to draw to the attention of these dear ones in Christ how God will respond to them and so James asks three questions that are quite broad in the spectrum of people they reach in verse 13 we read is anyone in trouble is anyone happy is anyone sick think of your current circumstances and how you would describe your current state of being at this moment think of the people you know and love there probably aren't many if any who come to mind that do not fall into the category of being in trouble or happy or sick. Some might experience two or three of those, but most people will r- relate to at least one of these categories, especially in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic. Perhaps we've encountered that feeling of being troubled a little bit more than usual. And perhaps more of us than usual have not only struggled with physical well being, but emotional well being as well. Perhaps we too want to listen into what James is saying to these struggling believers who have been suffering in one way or another, because we too have found ourselves struggling at times. Let's consider the various ways James suggests that people who are troubled, happy, and sick should respond. We read that the ones in trouble should pray. In other words, they should turn to God and look for help. The ones that are happy should sing songs of praise. In other words, they are invited through song to delight in who God is, to sing truth about God's character, to give thanks through song. And the person who is sick should have the elders of the church pray for them, have them anoint them with oil, And the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Not only so, but apparently this prayer is going to cover more than their physical well-being. We're told in verse 15 that if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And now look at verse 16. It seems as if James is now reaching beyond the scope of those who are sick and is addressing all the believers when he says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed now there's a lot going on in these few lines but first let's notice that forgiveness and the confession of sin the healing of social relationships are linked to physical well-being what are your thoughts on what this means some have looked at this passage and concluded that healing is not considered to be whole or complete unless it encompasses not just the healing of the body but the soul as well and we see this in Luke 17. Jesus is traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee and 10 lepers cry out asking the Lord Jesus to have mercy upon them. Jesus responds and he tells them to go show themselves to the priest and we're told that as they are doing so as they are doing what Jesus has instructed them to do they are cleansed from their leprosy on the way and now the choice of word here is interesting it doesn't say that they were healed on the way it says that they were cleansed now one of these men is so happy that he uh, in praising god in a loud voice he goes back to jesus and throws himself at jesus's feet in gratitude and this man was a samaritan jesus responds to the situation and asks We're not all 10 cleansed. Has no one returned to give thanks to God except this foreigner? And then look at what Jesus says next. He tells the one who returned to give thanks, to rise and go, for their faith has made them well. Apparently, giving thanks to God was an act of faith, and it was part of the healing process. Healing and wholeness for Jesus, in this case, wasn't just a cleansing from a disease. It was an entering into right relationship with God. It was only the one leper who returned and gave thanks to God that was made well. The other nine were just cleansed. In Matthew 6, when Jesus instructs his disciples on how to pray, he gives them a prayer that has become well known to many, the Lord's Prayer. In this prayer, our acts of forgiveness are intrinsically linked to God's acts of forgiveness. We are told to ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. And then listen to the two verses following, directly following that prayer in Matthew 6. They read, For if you forgive forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Our resistance, our refusal to forgive, can stop and interrupt the flow of God's forgiveness to us. Yes, when anyone comes to Jesus, they receive complete healing and total forgiveness for their sins. Sorry, complete and total forgiveness for their sins. But that channel to keeping the river of forgiveness flowing requires ongoing maintenance. Unforgiveness clogs it up. We are to be forgivers, and it is only in being people who are grounded in the love of Christ, who continue to confess our sins to each other and to seek and give forgiveness, that we are made well in the deepest sense of the word. Through the book of James, God is revealed to us as one who seeks wholeness and shalom in all of the areas of our lives, not just physical or spiritual, but both. James is inviting his listeners to taste and see that the Lord is good and so he asks are you in trouble ask for help are you happy praise God the goodness of your life in your life comes from him are you sick ask for prayer and anointing by Christian leaders or elders in your community have them anoint you Anointing being a symbolic act of being set aside for God's attention and care. And he says, you'll be made well. Now, as much as I'm drawn to these words and the picture they paint about being able to access help and healing, there are a number of questions that arise for me. Questions like, is it really that simple? You do A and B and C automatically follows often life even for those who are loved and shepherded by God seems a little bit more complicated than that in 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 12 we're told that the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh the scriptures don't give us exact details about what this thorn of flesh was it may have been a physical ailment some people think it was something spiritual Um, But even though we're not told the details about it what what it was the details. We are given are significant We do know that it was uncomfortable for Paul and that Paul a man of faith prayed three times for God to take it away and God did not remove it Instead God told Paul that his grace was sufficient for him and so Paul continued with this thorn in his flesh he didn't get his desired answer but he did get a response from God God had been and was going to continue providing grace for Paul to endure this difficulty but that was Paul what is James saying is James saying that every time believers follow these steps healing will automatically occur if we take a few steps back and consider uh, what James has talked about in the preceding verses it seems questionable whether that is the case in verse 10 of chapter 5 James has just encouraged the believers to be patient in the face of suffering and he's referred to job someone who did taste and see the abundance of God but not on his own terms and not on his own timing and so it may be wise to take this reference to job into account in considering these verses regarding healing and yet James makes some strong statements. The prayer of faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Whether you think James is giving a guaranteed method to receive physical spiritually, spiritual, uh, physical and spiritual healing or not, one thing is clear. Regardless of the results, James is strongly exhorting the believers to ask God for help. It's to be their norm. Anyone who gets sick is to ask for prayer. I wonder if James was anticipating some doubters among those who were hearing his letter. He goes on to encourage them in verse 16, saying, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he goes on to say that Elijah was a human being just like us. I love that James referenced Elijah because Elijah, like all the other human beings we encounter in the Bible, save Jesus, who was the son of God, was not without sin, and Elijah didn't have perfect faith. You might remember in 1 Kings 18 that there's a showdown between Baal, the God whom Jezebel worships, and Yahweh, the God of Israel, where the prophets of Baal are trying to get their God to ignite the sacrifice, a sacrifice, and nothing happens. But when Elijah prays, fire comes from heaven, and burns up the sacrifice completely. It's a powerful, amazing miracle. And yet, very shortly after, uh, when Jezebel, the queen of the land, threatens Elijah's life, Elijah loses heart. In chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we learn that Elijah's afraid and discouraged. That's putting it mildly. Elijah actually prays and asks God to take his life. Elijah's faith is weak. He's suffering from physical and likely emotional exhaustion, and he loses his perspective in more ways than one. He thinks he's isolated, the only one left serving God. But he's wrong. God has 7,000 other servants who have refused to bow the knee to Baal. Elijah doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't have perfect faith, and yet, He's the person God chooses to use, and he's the person God continues to choose to use, even after this loss of perspective. And so God doesn't respond to Elijah's prayer in the way that Elijah asks. He doesn't take Elijah's life, but he provides him with food, rest, and encouragement. This Elijah is the one that we read about in these verses of James. The one that James said, God told to pray that it would not rain, and it did not rain. The one God told to pray to rain, and it did. And so James' encouragement to the believers is that if God answers the prayers of Elijah, he will answer your prayers too. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And the readers of James have been learning throughout the book of what it means to live righteously. But more than that, in Christ, in coming to Jesus and receiving the forgiveness of their sins, they have received a righteousness that is not their own. It is Christ's and it is spotless. And so James urges the believers to pray. God wants us to look to him for help. Sometimes I wonder if one of the reasons there seems to, we seem to experience less miraculous activity than in the time this book was written is that often we are much less prone to turn to God for help. And it can be hard to ask for God's help when you can't guarantee the answer you're going to get. When the answer may be yes, no, wait, or my grace is sufficient for you and yet we are welcomed and encouraged to come to god with all of our burdens and when we do god will respond god always answers prayer when the apostle paul asked god to remove the thorn of flesh god answered him just not with the response he was expecting one thing that this passage in James states very very clearly is that God cares about all the circumstances of our life, our challenges, our hopes, joys. He cares about all that his children are facing. And so every situation and circumstance becomes an invitation to encounter the living God. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? <clears throat> Sing songs of praise. Are you sick? Have the elders of your community pray for you anoint you keep on forgiving and confessing sins to one another and taste and see the goodness of God I've been at the church where I've been serving for about three and a half years now and one of the first things I did when I got there was to listen to the stories of the community and one of my favorite that I was told was about a family that lived down the street from the church Um, They weren't a regular church-going family, uh, but the father of that family was diagnosed uh, with terminal uh, late-stage cancer. And in desperation, he contacted the church asking for help. So the elders of the church went down the street, and they prayed for this man, and he was miraculously healed. And so not surprisingly, with a, a real living example of the power of God right in front of them, His family came to faith as well I don't know about you but I want to be a participant in stories like that I want to be engaged in a community that sees wholeness and healing come to people on a regular basis and the great thing is that the book of James reveals to us that God wants us to be engaged in this type of living too That's his desire for us, too. We are invited to participate through prayer in our own well-being and the well-being of others. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for being a God who calls us to live out our faith and to experience the goodness of walking through life with you. Through your Holy Spirit, enable us to turn to you when we are in trouble, happy, or sick that we may taste and see the goodness of God in our present circumstances. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love.